Welcome to a Business Growth Mindset Podcast. I'm Christian Lavolsi, and I'm super excited to share this episode with you. To all the business owners and entrepreneurs, the crazy ones, the believers, the doers, the clever makers, the action takers, and everyone else in between, this podcast is for you. It no longer surprises me how many business owners and C-suite executives struggle with leading their teams and organizations. Too often, I hear business owners and executives tell me that people are their greatest challenge. Almost always, when I dive a little deeper in the problem, in most cases, that problem uh, is actually due to organizational culture and poor or no leadership. So today, I want to focus on the nature of leadership. And I plan to cover everything from responsibility, success, and growth, to the key leadership traits required, as well as self-knowledge. So stay tuned and listen up, because if you have a team of one or many, this will apply to you, and I am confident you will enjoy this episode. What is the nature of leadership? What does it really actually stand for? Well, a leader can be defined as someone who people follow voluntarily. In my eyes, that's the true essence of leadership. Leadership is very much a process of inspiring others, not just to work hard, but to accomplish the vision and goals of the organization, group, or cause, and the vision and purpose of the leader. It is also a process of influencing others, and influence is about changing not only behavior, but also thinking and ideas. Again, this influence is used to achieve certain goals. There are five primary sources of power that leaders use to influence others. The first is legitimate power, which is the leader's position within an organization. The second is rewarding power, where incentives are used. Then there is coercive power, which is fear-based. Then there is the expert power, which is founded on your skills and experience. And finally, referent power, which comes from the trust and respect others have for you. Now, There are also a whole bunch of leadership styles from autocratic through to laissez-faire. Now, there tends to be a view that taking an autocratic approach is great because you are the sole decision maker, so you can take control of everything. Now, the belief is also that being laissez-faire is really ineffective because you take such a hands-off approach. This is not the whole truth in either case. So with power traits and leadership styles, Uh, you need to know uh, how to shift through all of the different approaches. You're not looking to be one type of leader. You're looking for for fluidity. And how do you shift through the different sources of power and leadership styles? By being aware of what they are and how they work. There is a direct correlation between the extent of your awareness and the quality of your leadership. As every Marvel fan knows, with great power comes great responsibility. This uh, means it is important to choose the sources of power and the leadership styles that suit you, your organization, and the people that you're employing. This is because good leadership must be responsible leadership. Dictators can be powerful leaders. They may be followed voluntarily, but one of their main sources of power is their willingness to use coercive influence to ensure those who do not follow voluntarily, comply with their vision and purpose. The really important part about responsible leadership 
is the use of non-cohesive influence to shape a group, an organization, or a set of individuals. This works not only to motivate their behavior, but also to define the culture. For this reason, the ability to move through the different sources of power and leadership styles is crucial. The key is knowing when and how to use them. Companies that have great leaders have higher morale and lower staff turnover. These two factors make an enormous contribution to the success of a business because they show that you've got your culture right. Now, in 2016, Gallup employees, uh, they did an engagement meta-analysis, showed that businesses in the top quartile are 75% more productive and 70% fewer uh, safety issues. Now, you can't take a one-size-fits-all approach to getting your culture right, though. The way you lead always needs to be in an informed uh, manner, but also by the environment. And so small businesses employing two people, then the way you cycle through those power sources and leadership styles is likely to be a very different to the approach taken by the head of a large corporation or a C-suite. Now, there are a number of reasons for this. Now, the most important of which is that the small business owner is probably a manager and a leader at the same time. And fundamentally, to uh, understanding leadership is recognizing the distinction between these two roles. Both leaders and managers provide direction, but where leaders create an environment for change, managers maintain order. Now, when you're leading from the front, change can be, well, part of your culture. This is because where managers train, leaders teach. Effective leadership means your people become accustomed to change. They become resilient and they become quick to adapt. Furthermore, eventually they begin to innovate. Their ideas flourish, and this is central to the notion of well-being. The well-being of your people feeds back into having your culture right, and having your culture right feeds back into the success of your organization. Now, great leadership is about not being complacent. It is about wanting to move forward. The desire to learn and grow is central to generating that forward momentum. Growth is fundamental to leadership. People often question me about why I continue studying. Their belief is that I don't need it. The reason I keep on looking for new opportunities to learn is that I want to keep growing, even in areas where I could be considered highly skilled. I'm looking for something that I didn't know. Lifelong learning is widely regarded as being uh, of great importance. It can be summarized as a continuously supportive process which stimulates and empowers individuals to acquire all the knowledge, value, skills, and understanding that they'll require throughout their lifetime and to apply them with confidence, creativity, and enjoyment in all roles. Now, circumstances and environment also play a part in that. So when studying for my MBA, I found something unique and learned something amazing in almost every subject, even in the subjects that I hadn't believed would be useful because I knew through practice rather than theory how to make them work for me. Um, I understood accounting, uh, but through my study, I learned how to read numbers better and how to use cheat sheets around ratios. Um, in managerial finance, well, I learned heaps, 
even though I previously worked in that sector, I gained a greater depth of familiarity with the language. So learning is not just about facts and figures and techniques though. I also learnt a new level of self-confidence and self-belief as a result of the lead professors using my work uh, through their research and through uh, their papers that they were publishing. The real beauty is that through this growth and continuous improvement, uh, I've been able to apply what I've learnt directly to my leadership of what has become one of our biggest land development projects to date. Great leadership isn't only about uh, your own growth. It's also about demonstrating how others can grow. It doesn't mean requiring others to emulate you. It means showing them the qualities that they can then apply to their own lives to create positive change. As Ganter and uh, Manukonda state, it's all about motivating, motivating, and motivating. However, in order to demonstrate to others the benefits and possibilities that arise as a result of growth, um, you need to work on yourself. And the first step to growing as a leader is to develop your key traits. So what are the key leadership traits? Right at the top of that list is awareness. An awareness of your external world, but also self-awareness. If you lack self-awareness, then you won't be able to recognize which traits you naturally possess and can develop independently and which traits you struggle with and require external help to master. So decisiveness, um, if you are a person who sits on the fence, then you're never going to get anyone to follow you voluntarily. You have to uh, know your own mind and have the ability to communicate your thoughts clearly to those around you. Another trait is empathy. One of the lessons that I instill in my younger managers, the ones who want to grow into leaders, is that they must have empathy. There are people in this world who need your help. They might not be the best people, but they need your help. You need to give them a lifeline. As a leader, you will almost certainly find that there are times when you have members of your staff who are going through difficult uh, difficulties in their personal lives, and it is part of your role to work with them. As well as being the right thing to do by looking after your people, uh, you create a culture where they recognize that you are there for them when they're doing it tough, which makes it much more likely that they will want to reciprocate and give back when you need them to make that extra effort for you. And then it builds, becoming an ever-increasing spire of loyalty and trust. These three traits are just the beginning, but they have already revealed a great deal about the fundamentals of great leadership. As a business owner or C-suite executive, growth is so central to effective and responsible leadership. Developing key traits of leadership forms the foundation of that growth. So we've looked at awareness, decisiveness, and empathy. Now I want to explore other key leadership traits, starting with one that is all too rare, and that is accountability. Now, Wooden Winston, note that accountability is central to both establishing and restoring trust and credibility. And yet, so many leaders are not accountable. They would much rather handball right, their problems to those below them. Now, we've seen a lot of that in the banking sector, and that's what's brought upon the Royal Commission. One key trait 
that impacts everyone at one point or another is confidence. In terms of leadership, if you lack confidence, then you need to go and source help. It's not a weakness, it happens. Leaders are people and pretty much everyone goes through periods where their confidence takes a hit. However, when you are not confident, it is much harder to exhibit all the other traits that are required to lead effectively. One of the first things to take a dive when confidence is low is optimism. And I used to be a crazy ass optimist, which is not to say that I have lost confidence or become a pessimist. It simply means that when you take a lot of punches and become more resilient, you realize that optimism is not what people believe it to be. In my view, optimism means having the foresight to know that things can change positively. It isn't a false optimism where you're constantly high-fiving and talking about how the law of the universe is rocking in your favor. (laughs) Those are just words. Genuine optimism is working out how to help the universe help you with the knowledge that things can change. Another trait is honesty. I've I've met so many people who are just totally full of shit. Uh, your people need to know that you will, that for them for, for them to follow you, you need to follow through on your promises and your commitments. The greatest challenge as leaders, though, is not always in relation to being honest with others. It can often be a question of being honest with yourself, which means looking in the mirror and taking ownership of your failings. This comes back to accountability. Focus is another trait, and it's funny. I, I mentioned the importance of focus. Uh, in a lecture I was giving when I was an adjunct professor, and they all looked at me sideways as if to say that's a bit rich coming from a guy with over 15 different interests. Now, my response uh, to that was uh, just because one person can only focus on one thing, that doesn't mean it is true for everyone. Uh, Self-discipline, ladies and gentlemen, is the key to focus. It means that uh, I now can do more than one thing at a time. How? I call it the BOS, the boss, and it's my business operating system, which I now teach my clients. If you want to become a fantastic athlete, although the natural talent does have to be there, without training, you are unlikely to have the focus that takes you to the highest level of success. Essentially, focus is about growth. And finally, in terms of key leadership traits comes inspiration. You don't have to be an extrovert to be an inspiring leader. Introverts make some of the most inspirational leaders of our lifetime and in the past. As Collins puts it, they are timid and ferocious, shy and fearless. They are rare and unstoppable. Look at Richard Branson. When he gets up and talks, he's brilliant. But he's had to practice that. It works because he's speaking his truth. And so he can, even though he'd rather be sitting on his island. He can speak in a way that resonates with people. There are lots of introvert leaders who are phenomenal at inspiring people, but it takes practice. People say that leadership comes naturally, and for some people, that is true. But even for those, or even for these people, great leadership requires great practice, which takes us on to perhaps the most important quality that any leader can possess. This is where one of the greatest truths about leadership comes into play. And that is the importance of knowing yourself. Reflection doesn't need hours of work every week. Reflection is something that happens over the course of a lifetime. Once you develop self-knowledge, you can take two approaches. One 
is to understand your strengths and improve on your weaknesses. In my view, this is fundamental, but not critical. The other approach is to improve on your strengths. This is critical. Then you pay people to cover your weaknesses. For years, I was told it's all about your corporate SWOT. Well, why not turn your corporate SWOT into a personal SWOT? How many people have ever done a SWOT analysis on themselves? Now, one of the things that I do when I coach clients is I do a SWOT analysis on them. So they will go through their strengths and their weaknesses and their opportunities and threats. And there will be loads of strengths and very few weaknesses and tons of opportunities and often zero threats. Now, why? Well, it's not because they're perfect. It's because they're not reflective and they don't have the depth of self-knowledge required. There's nothing wrong with acknowledging you're a fuck up in certain areas. Once you're acutely aware that you suck at certain things, you can employ people to do those things for you. If you are terrible at organizing your calendar, then get a PA. You'll make your your money back tenfold because you'll be held to task. People uh, may say that it's easy to hand out this advice when you can afford it. I couldn't always afford it. I made it happen because I have a vision. I have a goal and I know where I'm going. Leaders need to think a bit like a chess master and scientist. A chess master has hundreds of possible moves in their head before they even begin playing. For every move that opponent plays, there are considering or there are considerations between three and seven counter moves. It's all maths. Maths alone is not enough though. And this is where the scientist comes in. The scientist is constantly innovating. So where the chess master is seeing between three and seven possible moves, guess what the scientist is doing? They're looking for eight moves that haven't even been discovered or created. It's all part of being proactive rather than reactive. And so while the scientist is looking for that eighth move, the chess master comes back in because even when you're innovating, it has to be in line with your grand plan. To lead effectively, you need to have a plan and you need to stick to the plan. Sometimes people tell me that I stick to the plan to the point where, well, it's going nowhere. That is because they don't know the plan. In order for your plan to be effective, you need to make a long-term commitment. You can't be impatient. For me, that was a big weakness. When you have a long-term plan, whether that plan is 12, 24, or 36 months, then it brings you clarity. And even if people don't know the plan, they will see the clarity. You don't need to impress anyone. You can keep quiet about what you're doing, right? And uh, but well, you keep quiet with it. But however, as much as you need to have a plan, you need to be open to new experiences. Innovation needs to drive you. And so the scientist comes back in. Work out what you can do better. It's about continuous improvement. Now, by developing your key leadership traits and understanding the different sources of power and leadership styles, you can become a great leader. This is true even if leadership doesn't come naturally to you. To be a great leader, you don't have to be um, the life of the party. Introverts and extroverts can both be successful. You just need to find the path to success that matches your personality. And this is why you need reflection, 
self-knowledge and growth. 95% of successful entrepreneurs and leaders invest in themselves through coaching and education. To be a great leader, you need to invest in yourself. You can't be a dropout when it comes to you. As Edison said, many of life's failures are people who didn't realize how close they were to success when they gave up. When you're looking uh, for a coach or a mentor, you've got to find someone you want to be like. Find the people who will help you grow. If you're looking to be better, then pick someone to help you who is already better. They don't have to be better at everything. They just have to have a high level of skill in the area that you're looking to develop. If money is a worry, shift the focus to what you're going to get out of it. You don't need to have a coach for a year. Sometimes you only need a coach for six to eight months, uh, sorry, six to eight sessions, just enough to change your attitude and more importantly, your mindset. You've got to take the approach that you're going to be okay. And the way to be okay is to keep learning and growing. As an advisor to many firms and an executive coach to business owners and C-suite executives, it's critical you find someone who pushes you, holds you accountable, occasionally kicks your ass, but above all, cares about you and your business. They need to know right, where you are and where you are going, and they need to help you get really clear about your vision and goals so you can lead your people and they can follow you voluntarily. It's not about the destination. Forget about the destination because if it was about the destination, all you'd be looking forward to is death. That's the only thing that's going to be there at the end. The point is how you get to death. And if you continue to learn and grow so that you become a truly great leader, then the legacy you leave will be remarkable and the mark that you make will be permanent. Because ultimately, responsible leadership is not about how much you can get from this world. It's about how much you can give. If you're in business or a C-suite executive struggling to take control, you lack freedom and you have no time, then it's likely that you're not leading and that you are carrying the weight of your organization on your shoulders alone. It doesn't have to be like this. In fact, just by listening to today's podcast, I promise you that if you dive a little deeper, you will begin to uncover a few unknown unspoken problems and opportunities in your leadership approach. If you don't want to do it alone, get in touch with one of my team and let's see if I can help you. Thank you for taking the time to hang out with me today and I hope that I have provided you with really good value and insight on leadership. Until next time, or in fact next week, live with purpose. Are you ready to start taking action on your business? Would you like to spend more time with your family? Then call one 643 and start building momentum right now. I know you're busy. In fact, you are so busy that you don't have time to work on your business or yourself. Often tossing and turning at night, worrying about the how-tos and the cash flow. How on earth can you possibly get 
off the hamster wheel so that you can take a helicopter view to see where you'll be in 90 days, one year or three years from now. In this program, I will take you from sleepless nights to blissful sleep. You'll have more time with your family and you will have the clarity and direction so you can grow and flourish. Call 1300 643 229 now and start building momentum.